You're listening to Nursing Review Radio. I'm health editor Dallas Bastian and I'm joined by Dr. Egda Agarwal from Queensland University of Technology to discuss the link between food intake and malnutrition and the associated risk of death among hospital patients. Thank you for joining me, Egda. Hello, Dallas. Thank you for having me. You found that one in three malnourished patients ate less than 25% of the offered food. What what was the risk of death among the malnourished patients within 30 days and beyond? So malnourished patients had a 30% increased risk of death within 30 days of hospital admission in comparison to well-nourished patients. We also found that when we evaluated the risk of death within 90 days of malnourished, uh, within 90 days of admission, uh, malnourished patients uh, had twice the risk of death in comparison to well-nourished patients. Now, you found that one in five patients classified as well-nourished also ate less than 25% of the food offered. W- what effect did this have on their health and risk of death? So if we just look at food intake per se, we found that patients who ate 25% or less of the offered food uh, during the course of the study, uh, they had their risk of death within 30 days of hospital admission increased by as much as 2.6 times. uh, And the risk of death doubled for uh, within 90 days of admission. So it didn't quite matter whether they were well-nourished or malnourished, if they were young or old, if they were male or female you know, the type of disease that they had or the severity of the disease that they had also did not matter. So in a nutshell, just eating poorly during hospital admission was an independent risk factor for an increased risk of death. So when we look at well-nourished patients who were also found to be eating poorly during hospitalization, it's important to consider that when well-nourished patients have a prolonged poor intake during hospitalization, they can actually become malnourished and then experience the same risks that malnourished patients face in terms of extended length of stay, frequent readmissions, and increased risk of mortality. What might be contributing to the number of patients failing to or or declining to eat the food on offer? Um, So in this particular study, which is uh, referred to as the Australasian Nutrition Care Day Survey, we found that two out of three patients did not eat all the offered food during hospital admission. So this means that eating less is quite common in hospital patients. Now, there is evidence to indicate that eating less could be due to a loss of appetite. And this loss of appetite could be associated with a range of factors uh, which are patient-related. And examples of these patient-related factors could include the illness itself that the patient has or the disease condition that they've been admitted with. Um, They could have issues in terms of experiencing early satiety. They may have a lack of flavor perception. They may, they may be suffering from a depressed mood. Um, they may be unfamiliar with the hospital food system or the foods that are being offered to them, which is why their intake may, may reduce. Um, they may also be suffering from swallowing and chewing difficulties. Now, apart from patient-related factors, there are also certain organizational factors that may impact a patient's ability to eat food during their admission. And these include... Um, Uh, Issues such as the timing of meals. So most hospitals would offer lunch 
um, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner at, at particular times and may not offer snacks in between these main meals. And there is evidence to suggest that patients do usually get hungry in between those meals and by not offering them the opportunity to eat is actually a lost opportunity for the patients to eat. Um, it is also quite common for patients to be interrupted at mealtime for either medical rounds or diagnostic tests or procedures, which can then impact their food intake. Another issue is that quite often patients who are frail or have a diminished capacity to feed themselves may not get the assistance that they need at mealtimes to feed. So this assistance may be lacking from uh, hospital staff or they may not have family members visiting them uh, at mealtimes to assist them with food intake. So these are some of the contributing factors which could potentially lead to patients not eating adequately during hospitalization. How is the prevalence of malnutrition in hospitals affecting the health system overall? So the Australasian Nutrition Care Day survey, along with other studies, now confirms that malnutrition in hospitals is associated with prolonged hospital stay, greater risk of readmission, slower risk recovery, increased risk of pressure ulcers, decreased functional capacity in patients, and a greater risk of death. Now, these outcomes not only have a significant impact on patients and their families, but they also have a big impact on the healthcare system. So it's been estimated that the cost of treating a patient who has the risk of malnutrition is at least 20% higher than treating someone who is well-nourished um, in, in the hospital system. Um, there have been studies done in the UK which estimate that the cost of malnutrition in the UK is in excess of £13 billion, which is over $20 million Australian dollars. Um, there have been a couple of really good studies that were done in, between 2002 and 2004. Now, one of them was done in 45 public hospitals in Victoria, and they estimated that the cost of malnutrition to public hospitals in Victoria was over $10 million. Another study that was done in Queensland-based public hospitals found that the cost of malnutrition-related pressure ulcers was over $13 million. Now, as I said before, these studies were done at least 15 years ago, so one can only imagine what the equivalent of those cost estimates would be in the present age. What should be done to address this issue? I think a starting point would be to acknowledge and accept malnutrition as a formidable problem. Malnutrition in hospitals has long been known as a skeleton in the hospital closet. So it is time that we bring the skeleton out of the closet and out in the open. It is time now for the focus of malnutrition to shift from being within the dietitian's domain to actually extend beyond. So policymakers, all healthcare professionals, whether they are medical professionals, nursing professionals, allied healthcare professionals, food services staff in the hospital system, uh, should, should feel more responsible uh, in terms of managing malnutrition. And when we talk about stakeholders, we also need to remember that patients themselves are very important stakeholders in the management of malnutrition. There is evidence to suggest that malnourished patients don't actually recognize that malnutrition is a problem when they're admitted in hospital, which, which is a big issue. Um, so patients need to become aware of the perils of malnutrition because um, it is a big problem to them and it can actually impact their recovery. Um, there is... Um, there is a, a range of screening tools which have 
which are evidence-based, uh, one of them being the malnutrition screening tool, which is literally a two-question tool which anybody in hospital can administer. And that can determine whether or not a patient is at risk of developing malnutrition. So we need to use that tool um, as part of day-to-day good practice uh, because, in summary, if malnutrition is not recognized, it is unlikely to be treated. So for healthcare professionals, I think we need to adopt a collaborative, multidisciplinary approach in in addressing malnutrition as a problem uh, because at the end of the day, malnutrition is everyone's problem. Thank you for your time, Ekta. Thank you very much for having me.